everyone, Angel and Judy here for Hi. our DT sharing. Uh, we're going to go over the passage in 1 John 1, verses 5 to 10, as well as James 5, 16. I'll start uh, with verse 5. In 1 John 1, verse 5, it says, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. I thought about what does it mean to say that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. From the commentary, it talked about light with certain qualities, how light illuminates the room, it reveals, it purifies, and these are the same qualities we see in God and that are required for fellowship with God. So if God is light, that means being with him will reveal and purify us from sin. But if we do not confess our sins, we cannot experience God as he is, as the light that is intended to illuminate and purify us from all sin. Just as you cannot be in a dark room with a light on, you cannot have fellowship with God or be close to God with unconfessed sin. So what does it look like to walk in the light? Well, verse seven says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. Walking in the light means to speak the truth and to not deceive yourself. What it doesn't mean is to have a sinless life, which is impossible according to verses eight and 10. Verses eight and 10 essentially say the same thing. Don't deceive yourself. Don't call God a liar. Don't say we have not sinned or we have no sin. But to walk in the light means to be honest and say, I have sinned, please forgive me. And to practice daily confession and repentance before God, trusting in the cross of Jesus daily, to be sufficient to satisfy all the debt you owe because of your sins. In verse 8 and 10, it says how we can sometimes say we have no sin. And I think when we look at this on a surface level, we'd be like, but that's not us, right? If I were to ask all of you, if I were to ask even myself, are you a sinner? All of us would say, yeah, I'm a sinner. And so are there ways in which we say we have no sin? Well, actually, I think there are. And I think we experience this the most is when we're pointed out with truth about ourselves. Why did you say that in that way? Why are you selfish with your time? Why are you so upset in your tone? How come you didn't pay attention when I was talking? When that comes to us, what's our instinct? Our instinct is to protest. I like this phrase called protesting our innocence that Roy Hessian uses in his book, Calvary Road, because that's what I find myself doing. I say, no, that's not true. Well, it's just circumstances, or I start to blame other things. And what are we doing? We're actually saying we have no sin. We're trying to say that's not a sin. That's just something else. I think another way in which you can do that is when we read God's word. I think there are ways in which you can read it academically. We can read it, oh, that applies to that person and that person, and not personally connect with it, what it has to say to me. Recently, we read in Hebrews chapter 4, what's the function of the word of God? It's that sword right? that brings us before God. And when we're brought before God's presence, we are what? Naked and exposed. The word of God has that kind of function for us. But when it does that, it's meant to show us that we have sin, that we fall short. And so when we avoid the word of God pointing that out, that's another way in which we can say we have no sin. And so I think there are a lot of ways in which we can do this. And the, the issue here in verse 8 is that when we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. I thought this was a really interesting phrase, this idea of self-deception. But why would we want to deceive ourselves? Well, actually, it's because we don't really want to know the truth. 
I thought a silly example of this for me. It's like, I don't want to step on that scale. Why? I, mean, I could know the truth. I could know the truth of how much I weigh, that I need to lose weight, but I don't want to. Even though it's available for me, I don't. Why? Because I'm afraid. Because when I really look at what it says about me, it'll mean that I'm worse than I thought. And not only a scale, but actually when I look inside, when I really start to ask myself, examine myself, who am I really? Asking questions like, why don't people trust me? Why do I speak so harshly to other people? Do I neglect my prayers because God seems unreal? Or is it really God seems unreal because I neglect my prayers? Why does the gospel seem so dead in me? Why does Jesus feel like a stranger? And those kinds of questions that I really were to ask and see, oh man, it would show truth that I really, really don't want to see. And so I'd rather remain deceived. And here's the issue why. It's because when we confess who we really are, man, that, that's something that we would deserve judgment for. And so that's why following verse 8, Jesus says, God says to us, if we confess our sins, this is what I'm going to do. I'm not going to condemn I'm not going to judge you for that, but I am faithful and just, and I will forgive your sins and cleanse you from all your unrighteousness. God says, the reason I want you to confess, to really dig in who you are, is because I want to forgive all your sins. Forgiveness is really interesting. Forgiveness cannot be given unless the one who has committed the sin has confessed. I think about my kids, and if I catch my kids lying, I want to forgive them. But even if I say I forgive you for what you've done, if my kid says, "What done what? Lying? I didn't lie. How am I going to cleanse them? How, am I, how are they going to receive that forgiveness? And God is saying the same thing here. No, dig inside. Confess all that sin so that you can be cleansed from all that unrighteousness. That's what he wants to do in us. So I thought about, man, if confession is so hard, why should we do it? Well, there are some benefits to confession listed here in 1 John 1, uh, verse 6. says there's fellowship with God when we speak the truth and not lie. In verse 7, there's fellowship with one another. And verse 7 and 9, cleansing from all sin and unrighteousness. And in James 5, 16, confessing our sins to one another allows for healing and being prayed for by another person. So that also brings connection with another person, and that gives us community. I've been reading the book, How People Grow. It's written by Dr. Henry Cloud and John Townsend. And it's a book about uh, how people can grow with the Word of God and the church. There, are, You need to have a body of believers who live out the Word of God, because so much healing comes from connecting with people in grace and truth. And this happens when we confess our sins to one another, and pray for one another like these verses say to do so for example there's healing that happens in this process of confession um, James 5 16 tells us to confess because when you hear someone say let me pray for you it heals that insecurity that sense of shame in a way that confessing only to God just doesn't you know Angel and I we've been doing ministry for a while and I've heard many people tell me that they knew they were forgiven by God when they prayed to God and confessed, but it wasn't until they confessed to a person and received that person's prayers that they actually experienced feeling forgiven. And 
And that just reminded me of how true these verses are, the benefits of confession. It really does help the confessor to feel forgiven. Yeah, and so I think I pray for each one of us, myself, definitely the first one, is that we would learn to be honest. Let's push past that instinct to deceive ourselves, to want to hide from the truth about ourselves. Let's experience together what it is to be forgiven of our sins, to be in fellowship with one another as we see that we are fellow forgiven sinners, and then to experience the healing that comes as we confess and pray for one another. So that's it for today. We'll see you guys later. Bye.